Hey, this is Anna from Coffee and Creatives, and this season we're discussing Twyla Tharp's Creative Habit. This week we're talking about Chapter 8, The Spine. Spine starts with your first strong idea. You were scratching to come up with an idea, you found one, and the spine is the core idea that you develop into your creation. So grab a cup of coffee or wine or wassail and join us. Okay, I'm not going to go to Becca this week. I'm not going to do it. Anna, what are you drinking? I'm drinking um, coffee. It's made with espresso beans from Intella. I don't know if it's Intelligentsia or something. Like, oh, Intelligentsia? Intelligentsia. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I know, right? I was, like, I found it at Wegmans, which was, like, a surprise. So I put it in the little mocha pot thing. But I don't know if I'm doing the mocha pot right, so I, I don't know if it's coming out right. But it tastes good, but it just doesn't taste as strong as I thought it would be for, like, espresso beans, you know? Mm-hmm. What about you, Christina? What are you drinking today? Um, I actually just finished. <laughs> I finished my coffee. I feel bad. Uh, I was having some black coffee, Pete's coffee. I need to Little switch seat. it up. I need some, like, recommendations. I feel like that's the cheapest one at Whole Foods, so we always get it. But... I'm getting like tired of it, and I think it makes me sweat. Do you get that? It's so good. I know but it's like expensive, isn't it? Yeah, but like it's like it's worth, worth it. it. <laughs> You're worth it. It's COVID. It's like, treat yourself. yourself. Right. <laughs> treat yourself. I'm gonna tell Patrick this, you said that. This is why I, Anna is so good at the artist dates. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Treat yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself. Or is it 2020? <laughs> I love that episode. Anyways, who else is drinking coffee? <laughs> I'm drinking. I'm wine. drinking wine. Are you drinking nice. wine? I'm drinking wine. Oh, sister, sister. I'm drinking yeah. Pinot Noir bottle box, of course. Mm. I don't know I'm how drinking. you drink wine at 1 p.m. Honestly, I wish I, I could be I, that person, <laughs> but I'm just not that person. Thanks for you. It's very easy. <laughs> Unless I'm like on vacation, I can day drink, but. Yeah, not I, I'm not a day drinker. It's the Lord's Day of Rest. <laughs> what is yeah. vacation? Yeah. So for me, I like to drink at one because I don't like drinking at night because, like, I really get affected by sugar. So if I drink mm. at night, it keeps me up. So that like makes one sense. p.m. Gotcha. That's my sweet spot. I just I'm like, I also, I just like, <laughs> 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, doesn't matter. I did, I like, when like, I was in Spain, they would always have wine with lunch, so I started doing it then, and yeah. then I was like, you know what, this is great. I, I just, guess when I was in Italy, they Now I'm going to take a siesta, and now I'm on to the rest of my day. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so what did you guys think of, oh, uh, well, 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 what's your wine? What? Oh, I'm drinking um, uh, Francis Coppola. Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. Your Francis Coppola. Wine? Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, it's a cab. cab Good old side. cab. Good old cabs, yeah. I love oh, cabs. Oh, who's the guy in the American Revolution mystery one? You know the guy with the weird hair and the nope. bad acting? In what? Oh, oh I know what you're talking about. Let me see. Yeah, it's his family. Um, what's, what's his name? Nicholas Cage. Yes, he's. Oh gosh. He's a Coppola. Uh, he's a Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. But that. the wine is really good. It's very balanced. Yeah, I like the it Godfather. Mm-hmm. 
it's good. I recommend it. It's got like strong fruit flavors, but not too sweet. Anyway, what did you guys think of this chapter? Spine. I was like confused by it. <laughs> and yes. I kind of got what she was saying, but I still was like, what is, I, what? Yeah, yeah. She uses these terms like scratching and spine, and I just wish they were like a little bit more explicit. Yeah, I wish she would like have a definition. Like, this is what I mean by this. She does say that, but then she does have one. But we should read the definition. Yeah. Do you have that? So on page one forty two, she says the spine is the state. Well, see, yeah, it's like it's kind of a definition, but it's not really. So she says the spine is the statement you make. To yourself, outlining your intentions for the work. And then on another part, she says, it's your first strong idea. I found and then like, later she says, it's not an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I think it's kind of elusive. And I found, like, there were times when it was really clear. And then she would, like, say something else. And I was like, wait. Yeah. I don't think that. I think I, so I always read the chapter in preparation. Um but I think I read this chapter like four times in preparation just to be like, am I getting this? I think I got it. Am I getting this? It's yeah, so funny. I was a little confused. This is the first chapter I read before the podcast, like like two like days before we were recording, because that's who I am right now. And um I like got it right away. And I was mm. like, Oh wow, yeah, Twyla, okay. And I was like vibing with her. But I got annoyed and I texted you guys this, like she explains it over and over again, and each time it gets more confusing. So she didn't <laughs> yeah. go to such great lengths to keep explaining the same idea and being like, but it's not an idea. It's actually a this, but it's not that. It's this. And it's just like, try Well, that like, kind of fine. fits in with what she's saying because she says it's your first strong idea, but it doesn't need to be transparent to the audience. So she gives her first yeah. strong idea, and then she makes it more and more elusive to understand. That's like, true. The spine That's true. Explaining, yeah. Where you're like, where's the spine? I don't know what this is. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Well, and I think it works really well for her medium. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's why she loves it so much because I think dance is like, I don't know, dance is such a, like a different medium for telling story and it is kind of like elusive and you can infer a lot of like different things from the same like ballet or Mm -hmm. um, program piece or whatever. Um, But then if you go and apply it to like a painting or a song I think it gets like a little trickier. So as I read, I definitely felt like I could apply it easily to maybe a novel or a ballet or maybe even like a show. But then I was thinking about like Noelle the whole time, like "Hmm, how is she going to like apply this to a painting? I I think for painting, for me, like when I was thinking about like, I was having lunch before this, I was talking to Sam, my husband, about it. And he was like, so what is spine? And I tried to explain it. And he was like, okay, so what's the spine of your pieces? I was like, I think it's connection with you and joy, I think, but I'm not sure. Like the emotions that I have about my family is the spine of my pieces, I think. But I feel like was it's saying the feeling that, that you are trying to capture. But she was saying yeah. that spine and theme are not the same thing. Right. They have a lot of overlap, but that they're not the same. But then when she was talking about like the spine of Moby Dick, 
I would say that, which is just a very weird sentence to utter. Um, I would say that like the things she was talking about were themes. And so then I was like, okay, maybe yeah. a spine is a theme, but a theme is not necessarily a spine. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, so on that page where it talks about Moby Dick, I just have the, I have written ask Becca about it. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like, cause she says on page 144, an inspiration, but not his spine, cause she's talking about, um, uh, the, the book, the baseball book. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that like Sam and Joy are the inspiration, but the spine is like the feeling you're trying to capture when you're with them or like the feeling yeah. that you feel like when you like look at Joy and you see her growing or like when you see Sam asleep and you're like, Resting marine, how quaint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I think something that like really stood out to me was when she talks about um, metaphor or like using another story or like assigning the title of like tragedy or comedy to your piece, whatever that may be. And when she talks about the difference between, um, inspiration and spine I felt like she was really clear in that section and Mm -hmm. one one example was when she talked about West Side Story I don't know if you guys are familiar with the musical Mm -hmm. but like it's it's a Romeo and Juliet story like Mm -hmm. yeah clear as day obviously like that's what was behind that and so I don't but but then that seems also like kind of like inspiration yeah so I think it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of, like, elusive. And I was trying to, like, apply this to myself and, like, saying, okay, well, for me, like, this musical, the inspiration is, like, Deborah's story of, like, going into the prison and stuff. But the spine, I feel like I'm, is more, like, um, I don't know, like, comparing it to another piece of art that I want to use as, like, a guide, like, uh, and I don't know. It's it's really hard to. It's really yeah. difficult. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I like when I was thinking about this. I was trying to, after reading this chapter, I was kind of thinking like, well, what's everybody's spine? Like trying to figure out my spine. And I think Anna kind of hit it on the head where it was like it's about the emotion that I feel towards these people or like what I hope for them with like Joy and Sam or what, whoever I'm painting, I kind of feel like yours is like the process of making music maybe, or like sharing that with people that maybe haven't before. The transformative power. Yeah. Right. But, but, but somebody else could also say, well, no, that's like the theme. Like, is that the spine? But I feel like I really like the part where she talks because she in all her examples she does a good job showing it like in a book in a dance and this and that and so when she was talking about Beethoven's um, music uh, Diabel I'm gonna I don't even want to say it the C major situation on 150 (laughs) um, like she talks about like how he wrote this piano piece and how it got like more and more energy and it was almost like because it was so repetitive. Like he kept writing these things over and over. It was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Diabelli. The, like he, like, it was so crazy. Cause I used to play piano and I used to play like some Beethoven, like most people do. And 
it just like it made sense to me like I connected with it and I was like oh my gosh yeah because the piece it always repeats itself but it just gets stronger or it's like in a different like major and it switches and it switches and it switches and like that was like his spine is like this idea of like like trickery and like pushing it and like making it bolder and like louder and so I feel like with music like I was actually listening to Deborah's um podcast last night the one that she was on and I was listening to like her talk about her music and stuff and I feel like each song has like a different like spine for her but her spine is always like like challenging like pushing like an idea like she wrote that one about when she was at the church um Mm -hmm. it was called like angels something yes um and like that one was like about like the inspiration was like this bible story but like underneath it all was like this like it's like you can't really put a word to it you know because it's it's elusive it's the spine But I feel like that's Mm. kind of, like, for you, like, as a musician, like, the spine is, like, almost in the music. Like, it's, like, Mm. I don't know. It's, like, an energy. And I'm, like, because, like, with Beethoven, like, I can't even say, like, what the spine is with music. It's just, like, this, like, crazy, like, we're going to do it again, but crazier. And I'm, like, yeah, that's so good. But, like, I don't even know what that is. So, like, I wonder if that's it for you. And also because, like, I always think, when I think about your art and creativity, Christina, I always think about how you always like challenge yourself like you're like yeah I just did this like artist retreat in Tennessee I'm like wow that's amazing and then you're like and I did ballet here and I did ballet there and I took classes and I'm just like that's incredible like you're always like pushing yourself and challenging yourself so I feel like for your art in your spine it's like it comes from a place where you're always like testing new waters if that makes mm-hmm. any sense yeah 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 that's really interesting but also with relationship yeah. Like, you always have that relationship with it. Like, I remember even back in high school when you did that Val Nebbia concert thing. Oh, yeah. Am I saying her name wrong? Yeah, Val Nebbia. Yeah, I remember, like, it was, like, kind of, like, push... Like, your paper that you wrote with it was, like, about pushing outside the genre of, like, just Christian and secular and how Mm -hmm. that is, like, kind of a false dichotomy. And I remember... Yeah, sacred versus secular. Yeah, and I remember as, like, a very, like... I was like, wow, that's so genre breaking that she's writing this, <laughs> reading that, and then kind of like having the concert for that. But then there was so much relationship between you and Val, like that. And then like I remember even the way you invited it me to the concert, it was like you cared about me and my like art experience. And I just remember being really taken aback by how much investment you had in other people. Aww. That's very yeah. nice. I'm gonna cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is really cool, this conversation. I really like it because it's like she talks about ways to discover your spine and one of the ways she says is to like talk to friends about it. So Mm -hmm. we did it. (laughs) We did we did the thing. Christina's spine is (laughs) realigned. Well, I think my biggest question though is like if spine is because it, it seems to me like she had a different spine for each work, but then she also talked about these people that had like a general spine of like yeah. mm-hmm. how they went about their work. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like what Anna just, just like talked about and Becca, that seems like a very kind of like general maybe way that I pursue art or like go about my work. But then what about like for specific pieces, like even down to like specific songs in like my show like do they each have their own spine or like for noelle she might have um like a series or is that what you call it a series yeah yeah a series or a collection 
And like, maybe yeah. there's a spine for the whole collection, but then like, is there also a spine for the, each individual the piece? Itself. piece? Yeah. Or like for Becca, for each individual, like does each chapter have a spine or just the work? That's a really know. good question. Yeah. I really want to interview Twyla Tharp and like <laughs> ask her more about this. Like, this is the first yeah. chapter that I'm like, give me more. Like, <laughs> we could always yeah. just ask her. Yeah. Twyla, if you are listening, we need to talk Twyla. to you. <laughs> Were you in that right. park that day? I'm going to hunt her down in some <laughs> park. Yeah. I mean, like, it's always like a shot in the dark, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Why not? Um, you get on that, Anna. You're the, you're always the adventurous one. Twyla, come, come hang with us. <laughs> so I wanted to talk. <laughs> right. I want to talk about this quote. Before I made the spine a habitual part of my creative preparation, I used to agonize through rehearsal periods. If rehearsals weren't good, I would be dimly aware of it, but I wouldn't know why specifically. The spine is my secret. It keeps me on message, but it is not the message itself. Hmm. I wanted to know what you guys thought about that. What page was that on? 146. Mm, oh, okay. look at Becca. She's on top of things. I was like, man, I didn't write it down. Well, I think that's really true. I think it's really, I don't know how you guys find it. And maybe it's more like, seems like more of a thing for me because of like the scope of like what I'm working on. But I find myself like very lost in details Mm. and like lost in theme and story and plot. And I just find myself like very... It, like knowing what I want to say, but like not being sure of it, maybe or like yeah, like looking for that guiding, like light or that. And I don't know, maybe like spine is is it, and maybe I haven't found that yet. But I, I think you have to have something like that, um, where that you can like an anchor that you can like go back to when you get yeah. like lost or like you. I don't know. Yeah, like a North Star that's, like, outside of the idea because I think you can get so lost in, like, if you were just, like, talking about, like, the ocean, the ocean, it's blue, it's blue. And, like, you get, like, so stuck in, like, but what is the ocean? But really you're, like, trying to get into the feeling of, like, how you feel when you're at the ocean. And, like, it's more than the ocean. But you can get, like, so stuck Mm -hmm. in, like, that little, like, speck of, like, it's this. Sorry, back over Oh, that actually fits in with what I was going to say. It reminds me so much of um, Byron's poem, She Walks in Beauty. Um, and he's like describing this um, this woman who has like this like beauty and she has like dark hair and it's like this dark beauty. Um, but um, in a lot of ways, he's like describing art because it's like a metaphor. It means one thing, but it also means another thing. Um and like he writes like she walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climbs and starry skies and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes thus mellowed to the tender light which heaven to gaudy day denies i make my students memorize this um that's so great and, well i don't yeah. <laughs> um and like you're always giving me crap about being prepared <laughs> but then you can just like pull byron yeah. out of your ear <laughs> well but like how he talks about how um like how the day is gaudy and things are just like kind of like this or that. It's clearly one thing or the other. But in art, 
there's kind of like all that's best of dark and bright and how um, there's like a lot of mystery in art and like layers of meeting and things aren't necessarily it's an ocean or it's a sand there's like like there's pores to it there's depth to it and ambiguity to it and I think that's like infuriating to some people because they are just looking for answers instead of an experience I know there's been times specifically when I was reading Moby Dick where I was like what does this even mean this is so Mm. like infuriating um but instead of approaching it from like uh this is a puzzle to solve like approaching it from like there is layers and depth to the meaning and we're going to circle around it and it's going to be right Mm -hmm. there in the center like a different approach to it Mm -hmm. yeah like I would say like great art like there's a like a something that everybody could kind of like grow attached to in great art but Uh then like there's a more specific application to yourself Mm -hmm. in like really great works of art that like resonates with you personally but also like a transcendent theme that everyone can kind of be like yeah that moves me in some way mm-hmm. and just to clarify i looked up she walks in beauty to make sure that i said oh, it right because uh, i was afraid okay. i'd say it wrong because i didn't I say was it like, wrong on the podcast oh my gosh well, Becca. I, <laughs> I know but just to be honest i have had that memorized but i was afraid i would say it wrong so well i also thought it was really interesting Um, On page 148, she says, um, you can also discover the spine by recalling, and I don't know, maybe we're about to talk about this, but by recalling your your original intentions and clarifying your goals, what was the first thing that dropped into your box? So just like going back to the box from, Mm -hmm. I don't know, was that chapter one or two? But like kind of what was that first thing? Like maybe for Becca, it's like what was like, that first thing that made you kind of like want to write the mm-hmm. story that you're writing or like, mm-hmm. and maybe it was another piece of art. Like, I don't know that it was like, Oh, I'm going to make this kind of in another form of, mm-hmm. of this. I, I don't know. It reminded me of two things when I read this, where I was, there's like the famous story of C.S. Lewis saying like the drawing of a, um, Oh, what kind of creature is Mr. Tumnus? A fawn. A fawn and a lamppost. <laughs> yeah, and he saw and a fawn. And the red scarf. And the red really scarf is. with packages. Yeah. And he saw that, and then, like, that was kind of, like, his starting point for the Chronicles of Narnia, because he wrote um, about that. And so... The Chronic what? Cools of... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, you watching the documentary about Deborah, and you talking about how you come back and you watch that when the BBC did, I guess, on her. Um, is that right? Yeah, I don't know if they did it, but she had somebody do it. Yeah, and like how you, when you feel like kind of lost, you say you come back and you watch it again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So we, we've kind of moved on to this already, which is great, but I'm just going to yeah, outline sorry. it for everybody so it makes, no, you're, you're, you're doing great, um, is we're talking about how to discover the spine. So she says a friend, which we kind of talked about already, and then original intentions, the other thing that she says is ritual, and I really like this r- ritual, and I've heard it talked about in a couple of different ways. It's, um, okay, explain it to me as if I was a 10-year-old. Um, and there's this um, contemporary artist called Shay Hembry. He has a really good artist talk um, 
on a TED talk. It's like a hundred artists, and he ha- he calls it his grandmother test, where he tries and explains a work of art to his grandma. And if she can't get it, if he can't explain it to her in five minutes, his ideas are like too convoluted. It's too messy. Like he That's needs to clean ageist. it up and like it's the what <laughs> ages. That's fine. It's good. <laughs> well, it's like. Can somebody outside of your generation understand what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminds um, me of Michael Scott pitching to his <laughs> grandma to get funding. <laughs> I don't know why that just came to me. Yeah, like, wrote, yeah basically the same thing. <laughs> you wrote about that in your blog post, Head, Heart, Hand. Yes, I really like his TED Talk. People should check it out because it's really, really good. Um, and, like, to be able to... You should be able to explain your idea. Like, you should have an elevator pitch about your art. Like, I should be able to explain it to you concisely and clearly in the time it takes to get to whatever floor. Um, 30 seconds. You should know it. Um, and I don't think that is the spine, but your spine will guide that. Help you have clarity for what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. be more yeah. in touch with what it is you're trying to achieve. Yeah, like your thesis statement should be like super clear. Like when you write a paper in school, you have your thesis statement and then everything else supports that. Goldilocks, a homewrecker, works her mischief in the kitchen, living room, and bedroom. There you've got an argument, suggestion <laughs> of organization, and tight diction. The three parts to a good thesis wow. statement. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Don't quit your job. I feel- by <laughs> 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 yeah. We need that. Oh. And then she talks about double duty. The spine does double duty, both as a covert idea guiding the artist and the overt theme for the audience. This is the part that confused me. <laughs> I was like, what? I need to ask back about this. And that's when she talks about Moby Dick. Mm. Because there's a solid, unrelenting spine. Get the whale. Well, this was interesting to me because in like reading and listening to musicals and just like studying them like the biggest thing that you have to have and really not just musicals you can apply this to a movie or any story a novel or whatever is like the I want they call it the I want song or like Mm -hmm. the I want of the main character like there has to there has to be that in any show that you watch in any movie story whatever there has oh, it has to be clear. I'm not giving up my shot, and I'm willing to wait for it. And these two different ones <laughs> intersecting exactly history, Ex- exactly. And like it sounds like very simple, but it's I don't know. It can be kind of complex. And I find it interesting that she kind of like turns this idea of spine into the I want because. But I guess that's what she that's what she means by double duty. Like sometimes it can be the same thing. But yeah. sometimes it can't. Like, I don't. I don't know that for mine at least. Like, the I want of this character would be the spine, but it does help guide me in the plot or like in what happens or how she yeah. goes about what she does. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think, don't know. I found that really interesting. I think sometimes yeah. when people approach art, and I definitely have the tendency to do this as just being like, okay. I need to figure out what stands for what and it's just kind of like a parable and or um, and I need to figure out what the message is. And so people Mm -hmm. kind of are like, okay, um, Greg Gatsby, Green Light, American Dream solved it. Um, 
Nathaniel Hawthorne, Scarlet Letter, A stands for adultery, but then she reappropriates it to be able. Okay, got it. Um, Moby Dig, White Whale, I guess that's like nature and the experience of the sublime. Okay, got it. But like, that's kind of like, um, like viewing like art as sort of like, um, philosophy illustrations rather than art itself. So I think, like, mm. sometimes you can read something, you know there's, like, more going on under the surface, but you can't pull it out explicitly. But that's, like, okay, especially, like, if you take, like, Byron's view of art, is it's doing stuff under the subconscious and it's moving and um, pulling out feelings and expressions in you, but you don't, you can't necessarily understand every single thing explicitly. And not everything can be mm-hmm. flattened into oh, this is the American dream. Sometimes things mean one thing, but they also have like pores where they have like deeper meanings and um, things that just connect to you personally and like different couple like layers. So a lot of times people just like, especially high schoolers that I teach, they're like, I just need to figure out what the thing means so I can write the paper about the thing. But art is an experience as well as like thought. And so like Mm -hmm. there's like, ambiguity and it's in that tension like those um that that how all of like beauty meets in its aspect and eye like that makes it something that's so powerful because it works both on the conscious and the subconscious and there's some things mm-hmm. that are unresolved and you don't get the pickerty third pickerty third <laughs> i feel like that's I haven't heard that since college <laughs> I always, I love, when I see you, I think of your dad who always does the Pickerty things. He does? Yeah, you're right. Dad. All the time. Wait, the first time I the took, Pickerty The first time I took Derek to church and like our church, he was like, Laird, he's a big fan of the Pickerty third. <laughs> I was like, what the crap is that? And he was like, where he resolves like the minor song right at the end. Just so. And I was like, That's oh yeah, so he does always do that. And Derek was like, sometimes you got to leave those things unresolved. You know, there's psalms that have, like, unresolved endings. And I was like, okay. Fun that is really funny. <laughs> what is a Picardy third? What is that? I don't know what that is. So, like, if something's in a minor key, and then, do you know what minor is? Sure. You know what minor is. <laughs> that's the one that's sad. It's the sad sound. The sad sound? So, like, there's probably, C, probably a lot of the songs you like are there's in minor. There's C major. Probably. And then there's C minor. Because a lot of the ones I like are, like, in minor. Yeah. Well, there's, a, there's like, four, but there's C major and minor are the ones people, like, most, like, no. Minor is the sad one. I would sing sure. it, but I'm okay. afraid to record my voice on this. Yeah, I can't. I'm scared. I don't um, want to do it. Um, Derek, if you want to play in right here a clip <laughs> of a minor chord. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then, <laughs> like... If you, at the very, if it's a sad song at the very end, you just switch it to major so it feels happy. Just in the very, mm. like. Just like at the, the last second. Like the very last, so you resolve it. I think I understand. <laughs> or I'm going to pretend to, so we can move on. The song's minor, last last one's major. Uh, no, I get it. I think I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that with like, because I was teaching I started teaching art this week, by the way. That will be, woo. like, one of my wins for the week. Yeah. But, um, yeah, woo. Um, but I was teaching about Pollock, um, Jackson, Jackson Pollock, Pollock, and, like, Jackson Pollock, and how, like, his paintings didn't necessarily have an idea that they were trying to convey, except, like, it, it was more about performance art mm-hmm. than it was about, like, something to say at the end of it. Um, 
and like how that was good like that just that in itself was like what made him so powerful um and Mm. it kind of is like what you were saying Becca I think where like people want to impose an idea on his paintings like oh it's about chaos or oh it's about this oh it's about that and it's really that's really not what Pollock was trying to do like Pollock was just trying to paint in a different way Mm-hmm. Yeah, his um, method paint, was like his spine. Yeah, hmm. like to radicalize how you put paint on canvas. That's what Pollock did, and yeah, there's like tuitions and intuitions are like two different ways of communicating. Tuition is like through intellect, and intuitions is kind of like unstated, like just sensing things. And mm-hmm. art has both, and I think sometimes art becomes like stupid when people are are trying to take the intuitions and turn them into tuitions. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can intuit what the person is trying to communicate, but when you try to take those and make everything like explicit, that's not what it was meant to do. Yeah. Uh, So moving on to the next one that she has about trying to find the spine, she has music, the music she's chosen. And I am going to be a little picky with her here because Yes, for her, music is a big part of her spine, but this is about, like, all creativity, and I feel like this is very music, like, very dance. Yeah. Specific. I agree. Um, It is, but I I think, like, a lot of my paintings I've painted um, from different soundtracks, and I feel like part of, like, I don't think I always knew my spine when I was starting them because <laughs> I was like in art school and I was like ah, I'm on a deadline I have to finish this painting now so I was like I was not very good at like planning out things and that's because I did too much but anyways I would like put a soundtrack on and like be like all right get in the zone do this painting yeah do you have it for class and I feel like listening to the music helped me reveal what I was trying to say and like what I wanted to say yeah. before I even knew what it was it was like the songs yeah. kind of like guided the spine for me Massage the spine out. Yes, that's true. Like, I know if I turn on a certain playlist, like, I will paint something okay-ish. Maybe not great, maybe not good, but okay. So I guess, yeah, I guess you have a point. Oh, here's a great point to plug our playlist. If you need a playlist for inspiration, Anna has compiled songs that all of us like. That just came out this week. Right? Monday. On Monday. It will come out on Monday, but the podcast publishes on Wednesday. So so. it just came out. And (laughs) we have one that is art music and one that is for road trips. Yes. Listen to those. And both commercial over. (laughs) Can be used whenever time you want. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like um, music can kind of just like guide you in a way that other things can't. But music like for like writing for me like I, I cannot listen to music like I just it, it has to be like um there's like one of my favorite playlists is like Monday Focus or something <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. a bunch of like ambient kind of music mm-hmm. and then one of them has like a person saying the same thing over and over again and I That's love terrible. it that is so it's, weird it's like the worst but I love it because I had um my life painting teacher would play this crazy music and it was like almost horrible my friend and I'd be like what is this music and then that song reminds me of that music and that's why I like it <laughs> so, so funny that song is like what that's, I heard, but, yeah. that reminds me so much of DJ 
So for listeners that maybe don't know, Anna's husband is DJ. DJ grew up with Becca, Christina, and I. And um, when we were in youth group together back in the day, this is like <laughs> so long ago. This is like 2009, maybe? Maybe. I don't Earlier? Know. Before 2006. Okay. Yeah. He would go around youth group just saying cellar door, cellar door. So like, and he would be like, this is so beautiful. You guys should just listen to this word over and over again. When I watched the movie Donnie Darko and they were talking about cellar door, which is attributed to Tolkien, but is like in Donnie Darko, I was like, oh, this is what DJ was doing in youth group. He was quoting Donnie Darko. That is so, I forgot about that. Oh my God. That's so funny you did that. Okay, I appreciate yeah. that story because I asked DJ for like anecdotes about his life all the time, <laughs> and I'm like, so like, when did you know this? So like, what was this experience like? What kind of music did you listen to back then? And he'd be like, I don't know, I just like listened to music, and it was like music I listened to. I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, he he doesn't yeah. have like his memories are so weird to me. Like I don't understand. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I'm like, Boy, all right, then. you're welcome. That's so <laughs> I need funny. that. Oh my god, but um. Yeah. I find that like so I don't use I don't use music like we've talked about this like to create but oftentimes mm-hmm. I will think and maybe this is like maybe this is fine like I will take a song um especially with like the show right now I'm kind of looking for inspiration for character and stuff so like the other day there's this song by John Mayer called in the blood it's like such a great song but he's talking about like his family and like what he will take with him and like what stays in the blood I don't know if you guys have heard that song check it out um but (laughs) I just I was listening to that and I was like oh like this would be a great like framework for a character who's singing about you know where he's at like in prison and and how he got there and like, you know, how he didn't, maybe the apple didn't fall far from the tree or something like that. So I don't know, in thinking about taking a song and kind of, obviously I'm not going to just write the same song, that would be terrible, <laughs> but like, but like, how can I take those ideas yeah. and put them into something new? And so sort of using that song as like a scratching yeah, like I really hate that word. I really hate it. But maybe yeah. it's fine. I don't know. Like maybe it is like maybe simple like enough. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's and I think that's really common actually with songwriters. I think they steal a ton because they have to because there's nothing really new. Um, but like mm-hmm. stealing ideas or just concepts from other music and other writers and stuff. Anyway. Yeah. What what about you, Becca? Like, does music influence your writing? Do you pick music to help you find your spine? Did this I think I've talked about this a little bit, but normally it's I have like a lot of anxiety over starting. So I'll like play music when I'm getting started to help me not like to get to get going. But once I get going I have to turn it off. So it's kind of like mm. Where I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm going to write. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't even do it. And I'll play some music to get me in, like, the right frame of mind. Sometimes I'll even, like, 
turn it like way, way down. So it's like barely audible. This drives yeah. Derek crazy because he's like, you should listen to music <laughs> at the level of sound that I was mastered or else you're not having the <laughs> oh right like experience. <laughs> um, oh my God. Um, but I'll like turn it way down and just kind of like just having that little bit of a hum like there mm-hmm. helps. Um, but then once I start trying to work on an idea, I have to turn it off. So interesting i feel like i like for writing i like to listen to a song when i'm not writing where i like it's like i can't always like you're just like listening to music like whatever reason like doing the dishes in the car whatever and like the descriptions and the songs are sometimes so good taylor swift little plug here (laughs) but if you're song august she says um summer was sipped away like a glass of wine and i'm just like ugh. (laughs) <laughs> so good yeah. like it like she really captures it and I think that's like the beauty of music is the descriptions have to be so strong because like it can only be so many words so they like really yeah. cut down to what they're trying to say and that inspires me to like want to be as descriptive and like get like a good narrative like that mm-hmm. yeah and that's such a rich meta metaphor right yeah mm-hmm. metaphor because it's like especially if you've had a glass of wine or something like that sweet bitterness is like at the end of yeah that's a good one yeah it's so good it's better in the yeah. song too T-Swift. when she sings it <laughs> t-swift i'm like T-Swift. i think i'm low-key a swifty by accident i was not <laughs> yeah, okay. like a swifty but now i'm like i regret that i never went to a concert of hers because i'm just like uh-huh. it's okay there's still time i um <laughs> my first dance was a taylor swift song it's okay <laughs> Okay. I remember NPR one time talking about like how Taylor Swift like communicates beautifully the vulnerability of um uh human fragility or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, if NPR is saying that, I guess she's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, it's like you kind of love to hate her because she's like a little too perfect and like her songs yeah. are like, just have fun and boys. But that's <laughs> they've evolved. But like I feel like um, she is one thing about her is she is a brilliant artist because she writes so well over so many different genres. It like blows yeah. my mind. And but she writes a, her own songs, which I think is great. For yeah. The most part, yeah. She writes I really songs. appreciate that about her. And she's also really like, good at it. Being the same age as Taylor Swift, she's always going through the same life experiences as me from like 16 yeah, to 30. So like I'm 22 weird, right? when she's singing 22. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're going to be besties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I feel like funny. one thing I really do appreciate about her and one of the things that I think Taylor Swift has done really well for herself is she's evolved over time. Like, she's actually grown up as an artist where, like, I think about, like, Britney Spears or somebody else who's kind of, like, they kind of stay at the same age that they made it at, if that makes sense. Free like, they're... <laughs> Hashtag free Britney. Hashtag. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like she's kind of anyway. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, Noel. I think you're, I think you're right, and I think it will be interesting. I think it will be very interesting to see how she continues, like down that road as she like, yeah, becomes a thirty-five year old. For like, yeah, just like what are her songs going to be like? What is her like mo going to be? I don't know. Yeah, which I think Adele has done really well, and that might be Adele's spine, like over all of her albums, because it's like mm. eighteen. 22 oh gosh 21 thank you 
18, 21, 25, like her albums all fit together as her life. Yeah, 19. 19, yeah, sorry. Dude, but the same was like Lord too, because her first album at 16, she's like, it's like this unique, and it's definitely like a youthful, but like moody youthful sound. And it's like an anthem for like being aggro almost and being like, I'm a badass, I'm 16. But then her next album, I think she's like 20 um for melodrama she's like had so many more experiences and like it really comes out and it's like it's so deep where like the other album it's it's not as deep there's just like a bunch of like i feel like symbols but in melodrama Mm -hmm. it's like everything's like super poured out like there's that song um liability she says that word like over and over and over where dj's like why why <laughs> and i'm like it's so good though because this time she means it <laughs> like, anyway but I could, I could go on and on but like i i love when you can see an artist like grow over time yeah yeah, yeah and how they can like take that and kind of make that their theme I can't help but think of Bob Dylan, though, when he, like, moved past what everybody, like, wanted him to be and people, like, booed him off the stage and, like, gave him Mm. so much hate because they wanted him to be, like, this folk music, like, icon and he was ready to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think of, like, Johnny Cash that way, too. Yeah, are we? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think people kind of did do that a little bit with reputation. With like pop, she when like, she kind of moved to yeah. pop, people, the country, yeah. the country people were kind of like scorned. I what think. the heck? They I feel over. like, yeah. Um, what was the one before reputation that was like super like poppy, like the haters red. gonna hate, red. hate, hate? Is it red? Was that red? Mm-hmm. I think. I remember it came out when I was working at Starbucks, so I heard it, like, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because that one was, like, kind of like, huh. But then the one after Reputation, Lover, I I felt like that one was, like, the most different. Like, Reputation, it was different, but the lyrics were still very strong. Whereas Lover, I feel like nothing – it's that thing that you guys were talking about that lit. Laird is Christina's father. (laughs) Glad he has a feature on here, Dad. I don't know if he listens to the podcast. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But I think it is kind of like to tie it back a little bit is people like to like if you look at what makes hit songs, it's usually because they're very solidly in the middle of the genre. So it's what people expect. And so when they're happy with what they expect, it like usually makes a hit. Um, And when it's something like that is kind of like in between genres or doesn't fit cleanly into something that gives like some discomfort. And those aren't usually like top 40 songs. Um Mm-hmm. But they can be really great songs. Um, yeah. Uh, the ones that are, like, very solidly in the genre don't usually last as long because they're not as unique. Um, but with that, there's, like, you have symbols and people, like, want it to just mean the thing that they expect. And they want it to be, like, this is this metaphor. It's what's expected. And that's it. But when you have, like, um, ambiguity or some dissonance or some unresolved um, tension that's kind of when really interesting things happen. Um, and usually that ambiguity and like tension and genre breaking stuff is driven by like a unique desire where you're like, this is what I want to communicate. I don't want to write a hit. I want to communicate this stuff. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. props to Sondheim. Cause he did that 
all the time. That's why I love him. Like company was like plotless and people gave him such crap and it like didn't like now everybody's like obsessed with him and they love it. And it's like, they're doing it again and everything. But at the time it was like, this has no plot and the character ends up like alone and he goes nowhere. And it's like, well, no, like that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. it just made me think it of that. Kind of- to bring up my son time, <laughs> Johnny Cash. <laughs> like, I feel like that kind of about, like, Johnny Cash covered this Nine Inch Nail song, Hurt. Oh, that's Which I the think is, one. like, one of the, that's the best. Like, I think that's, like, Johnny Cash at his best. But that's not what people necessarily think of when they think of Johnny Cash. And, like, I don't think people super loved it when it came out. Like, he was so big touring with, like, Elvis and stuff. Oh. Could you say that he walks the line between <laughs> expectations? I could. <laughs> Good uh, one. Good mood one. I am embarrassed that I made that, but that's okay. That's <laughs> I'm very proud of you. So let's um let's transition to the exercises here. Make a picture that's worth ten thousand words. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then dance because it moves maybe worth ten thousand. I rolled my eyes so when I read the- that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shoot, Noelle's gonna like have something great for this. I'm gonna have nothing. I okay. I don't know if I have something great, but I just thought of like this motion. Like so what you're supposed to do, help me out here, guys, is like to create a motion with your hands, right? I think she mm-hmm. says it's gotta be with your hands, a gesture. That like has lots of meaning behind it that you maybe couldn't put into words. So like I thought about like wiggling my fingers towards someone. Like that's something that um growing up my sisters would do to me to like bother me or like make me laugh. And like I do that to my, you know, my child. I do that to Joy to like, I don't know, make her laugh or like, if she's fallen down or something, and, like, after we're done comforting her, and she's still just kind of, like, eh, something bad happened. Like, we'll try and cheer her up. It's just, like, something that we do. I don't know. I just thought of um, this, like, hand motion, which, like, I remember in middle school it being like that, whatever, like, talk to the hand kind of yeah. thing. But, like, it can be, like, you know, just, like, moving on. Like, we're it's just water over the bridge. We'll keep going. And then other times it can be, like, shut up. I hate you. Stop talking. Like, that there is different, like, kind yeah. I was trying to think of something that had different meanings that I didn't have to stand up for because I was like, I'm sitting. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what about you, Christina? Did you come up with a gesture? Could you think of one? No, I just thought it was funny that she talked about like the Italian gesture. <laughs> and I was like thinking about when you were that in Italy. One. Yeah. And just like how like, I don't know. It kind of made me laugh because it, it's like actually people think it's like an exaggeration, but it's not like they literally use that all the time. <laughs> and, but like sometimes it's like they're angry. Sometimes they're like emotional or like you could be sad. I don't know. There's just like so much emotion. It's like a, it's like a um, exclamation point almost. Yeah. Like a physical. And I know, like, some people, I guess we don't have something like that here, but some people talk with their hands, I guess. Yeah. But Oh, yeah. Knocked over many a wine glass doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. Christina, for our listeners, Christina lived in Italy for a little while. Well, I, like a summer, I wouldn't say right? I lived there. Mm-hmm. I was an au pair there, yeah, for, like, three months. That was pretty cool. 
That's when I was like, man, Christina's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go live in Italy. No, it was, like, really hard. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it was. But people had interesting hand gestures and and amazing. And you got to eat, like, really cool. You got the little coffee. (laughs) The little coffee. Oh, my God. What about you, Anna? Did you come up with a hand gesture? So, like, not really. But I, like, DJ and I do this all the time. Like, guns at each other. Finger guns. Joe Biden guns. Yeah. Yeah. The Joe Biden guns. All the time when, like, we're just, like, teasing or if we're, like, debating something or, like, I, like, I don't know where this came from, but sometimes I like to say, no, I'm the sheriff. Like, I'm in charge. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the sheriff. And then he'll be like, this sounds, like, crazy to our listeners. We're, like, basically children. Um, but like, I don't know, we just like kind of do guns like playfully all the time, but it's like funny cause like, gut, like if you did that, like in public, people would kind of be like, oh, you're a child or like, oh my God, like guns, like don't do that. That's violent. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I like how it can have several meanings, but I feel like hopefully if Lily does catch on to it, she knows not to do that in public. James, <laughs> James has like, started making guns with his finger and going pew. And I don't know where he, well, he must have learned it at school because we never do that. And I don't know that he's ever seen anything on TV with that. So we watch Give a Mouse a Cookie in Sesame Street. And but he's like, start pointing at me. He's like, Mommy, I shoot you. Like, oh, Probably school. <laughs> yeah. Definitely school. But, hey, but it's story. Well, <laughs> my child has started roaring at people. <laughs> well, that's because James. James is really into roaring, so he roared at yeah. Joy and then made her cry. And then now, she, then she started doing it back to him. But I had told yeah. him he wasn't allowed to roar anymore. And then Joy would go up to him and go roar, and he would look at me and he'd be like, "She roared at me. Can I roar she, back?" But she did it at me. <laughs> Wait, but yeah. this. This um exercise, though, it made me think of something an art teacher told me. I think it was the same art teacher that listened to that, like, weird music with the words. But he was like, keep an interesting picture next to your nightstand, like, on your nightstand. So every night when you go to sleep, you see this, like, weird picture, and it will give you all these ideas. And, like, cr- like just, like, it's a creative – it's almost like a living creative exercise. And so he showed us the picture he had on his nightstand and it was like somebody like standing in the ruins of like a train that like it's it's like a famous thing that happened like there was like a train museum and a train like like broke through the wall of a building or something so Mm. like it's this like train falling out of a building and like a guy like standing there like in the rubble being like what so it's all these like strange things and like symbols in like one picture and I always think about him saying that because it's such a unique thing to be like have a picture that like it, it like doesn't really have an explanation and like keep it next to you so that like you can kind of always interpret something different from it. Anyways, mm-hmm. that made me think of that with this exercise. Yeah. Or you could just be married to a strange, interesting person. Look at them every night. Before you go to sleep. <laughs> I'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That makes me think of a art teacher that I had that would always say like hang up whatever painting you think you finished like if you have a painting that you think you finished you should hang it up somewhere where you'll um what did she say I don't know but like you'll encounter it throughout your day and it should surprise you because when your work surprises when a work surprises you you make a snap judgment 
judgment about it, whether it's good or bad. You're like, oh, that works, or oh, that doesn't work. Mm. And mm. like, it's going the into the intuition rather than the tuition. Mm. Yeah, she's trying to force her intuition. Yeah, which is really interesting and also very discouraging to be surprised by your work <laughs> and be like, Ooh! and you're like, oh man, I painted that. <laughs> Anyway, Love it. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to do today was the spinal tap. So pick a favorite work of art and try to determine what the spine is, if any. The artist built into it. If it could, it could be a novel, a movie, a painting, a play, an opera, ballet, cartoon, whatever. Um, and I was thinking, when I was thinking about this, I was like, I don't know if I could figure out the spine for everything, but I was thinking about the lunch, the boat lunching party, or the boat party luncheon by Renoir. So probably I know what you're talking about. Wrong. It's yeah. featured in Amelie, the great French movie. Mm. Yeah. And for me, when I look at that, I think the spine is like human connect, like the lung for human connection and that missed connection. Because everybody is looking at different things, like longing for a certain person, but then missing that. But that's one that I was like thinking about, like, as I was thinking about like, like Van Gogh and like different artists that I like, I'm like, I don't know if I could find their spine. I felt like I could find Renoir's spine. It's like longing for human connection and missing it. That's mm-hmm. it. I did Pride and Prejudice, and that kind of mm-hmm. like fits in a little bit with Pride and Prejudice. Um, so I was thinking about a couple things. Like one was her first title for it was First Impressions. And then mm-hmm. there's like a couple like key quotes I was thinking about. One was like how Elizabeth is saying to Lady Catherine de Bourgh, that how both she and Darcy are equals like he's a gentleman I'm a gentleman's daughter so far we are equals which is definitely classist but like equality and then like um how like what makes people blind and self-deceptive and what makes them see each other and have true connection and love and so like you have Mm -hmm. Elizabeth and Darcy like moving farther and farther apart until his like proposal and then you have them moving closer and closer together after that like kind of makes like a diamond and how it's like about you have all these people who have these superficial connections and they don't actually see themselves or see the other and it's how you do you come to truly see yourself and see the other and find like a good partnership not based just on passion but more on like virtue and respect and passion Hmm. what about you anna did you pick that was really good, Becca. Nice job. A plus. Um, <laughs> you get the star. You get the star. star <laughs> creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 like, I've read Prime Prejudice a lot, so it's one I've thought about a lot. As you were talking about, like, straight to five on the Enneagram, I go there in growth. And I was just like, wow. Like, like very internally. You know? <laughs> um, that's why I, like, yeah, I was, like, silent. Um but yeah, I, uh, I'm reading Midnight Sun, which is the prologue or like, it's just like an extra book to Twilight. It's from Edward's perspective, which in all honesty, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I was a very big Twilight fan in high school. Like I was, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter and Were you allowed uh, to read Twilight? Yeah. Because so I had a good friend, I had a good friend whose mom convinced my mom that it was okay. And that was the only reason I could read that book. Oh my gosh. I know. So surprising. So my mom was like, all right, you can read this because Molly's mom said it's okay. And I agree with Molly's mom. And I was like, thank God for Molly. So like I read the (laughs) book and it was like everything to me because it was like the only like 
like books like that I could read. What's that called? Um, fantasy, like with like the magic, but like, you know, that was like big. Cause I read like other books that I don't know if my mom would have really liked, but they weren't big. So she didn't know if I could read them. Or not. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm reading Midnight Sun and I, I think a lot about like what Stephanie Meyer is trying to say with Twilight <laughs> because it's so crazy. And if you ever listen to an interview, she said she had a dream or she saw two people in a field. She was like, huh, I wonder what that's about. And that's where she came up with like Belle and Edward in this field. And that's like the main like plot is like Belle and Edward, the field, whatever. And like, I was thinking, cause I'm reading that book. I'm like, what is the sign of this book? Like, what is this? And I feel like it has a lot to do with big emotions like mm-hmm. um longing because they can't be with each other fear because Belle's like afraid of everything <laughs> Susan language. she's afraid of everything <laughs> and Edward is always afraid for her about himself and then there's also loathing where like Edward hates himself and mm-hmm. oh, there's like this ladybug that's been like crawling everywhere um but yeah and like he hates himself and then like also like Bella also like hates herself a lot too so like I think about like I don't really know. I don't think I'll ever really know what the spine is for Twilight because <laughs> like that book has like a lot of, uh, like it, it doesn't have like a lot of resolve. Like a lot of things don't yeah. really make sense in the world that she creates. But I feel like reading Midnight Sun, um, and reading from Edward's perspective, you kind of get more that you miss in like the main series. Anyways, don't at me about reading Twilight again because, you know what? It's my jam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember being like, I remember finally reading it. I think you actually convinced me to read it, Anna. And I was like, it's not as bad as everybody. I, like, it's not any, it's not Harry Potter, but it was okay. (laughs) Yeah. Becca's dying inside right now. I'm not saying a it, thing. It, it had art a, connects it had to different time, people you know? on different it had ways. Time. Art connects like, to also, different people in different ways. I rewatched all the Twilight movies during COVID because what else are you gonna do? Actually, you can do a lot of things. But I did that, and I made DJ watch them with me, and he like hated it. But it was also like so nice to like enter that world of like this is a disaster, like a dumpster fire. But I love watching it because of that. Like, you love to hate it, but yeah. you love it. Like, yeah. so many the things. best way to watch Twilight, in my opinion, is to watch it with the riff tracks, where it's just, like, two guys commentary, like, making fun of the movie the whole time. It's really good. Anyway. need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a link. It's really good. Uh, what about you? Anyway, moving on. Anyway. <laughs> now that we've lost. Did you do this, Christina? Um, yeah, I just did, like, We've lost first... our spot. Yeah, we've definitely lost it. Uh, the first thing that I was thinking of just, like, came into my head. It's not, like, my favorite thing or something I'm watching now, but I thought of um, Breaking Bad and The Sopranos mm. and how, like, The Sopranos was kind of, like, the original... Um, like anti-hero story yeah at least like mainstream one I'm sure there were other shows or something but like that was like kind of new and like very thrilling and intriguing and like oh well why does he do these things and then like Breaking Bad came along and that was like like exploded I don't know if you guys have watched that but yeah it was like very much based on like the Sopranos and like that idea and now there's like sons of anarchy and like that's such like a big thing now this idea of like the the anti-hero and like you could probably go back to i'm sure becca could think of some like great 
literary like anti-heroes that I can't think of right now. Russ Konyakov, Criminal Punishment. There you go. Um, but I don't know. I think that's I think that's a really strong like spine, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's more like theme. But that that was the thing that came to my mind of like a really. No, I think you're right. I think, strong, I think strong. Breaking Bad's spine is the anti-hero. I think. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I think so. We'll figure out spine like eventually, but <laughs> the spine yeah, of this episode is that after spine we interview Twyla Tharp. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of just wrap things up here, I thought we would talk about um, just how our week was going creatively. I don't know if anybody read the blog, but mine was pretty hard. You know, like I've got my dream studio, and I'm having a hard time. I did use it. I have been using it, and it's been better. But like, it was really hard at first to like try and actually paint in there um and do like actual work like what I dream I think it's hard because I have this like dream of when I have this studio then I'll be able to do this type of work and I have the studio but I'm not doing the level of work that I want to do and that's okay like I'll get there eventually um so I started working on my collection I started working on one painting of it and it's going okay. Like I said, it's not like to the level that I want it to be, but I think I need to be patient with myself because that's what Becca told me and Anna told me when I texted them about. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Well, and I feel like you're in a new space and a new state. (laughs) I know. know. Yeah. Like I I feel like just be really patient with yourself because you are adjusting in so many ways. And then like having your own artist space, that takes a while to like find your new rhythms of like how you're going to create in that space and yeah. how you use that space and like where you're comfortable and like where you put things. Like I was painting at the kitchen table for like so long and I just put my paint stuff back at my desk and I was like, Oh, I don't, where's that brush? <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> I was like kind of like going backwards, like kind of confusing myself because I didn't really set myself up correctly to like paint there. And like that's like a little mini point of like how things are going for me when I just move yeah. in my own house I've been in and you're like <laughs> thousands and light years and whatever like away from that yeah. because you're you're going through so much change at once and it's like really yeah. good but it's like a refining process so like things are gonna have like bumps and hiccups yeah and I have to keep reminding myself of that um like constantly I think wins for me this week is like I did start teaching art actually um I have an art course coming out in January for kids and I like did a practice run with a couple of kids and it went really well and I was super happy with it. Um, so like I have like done things this week. It's just not like to the level I want, but you're right. I just need to be patient with myself and give myself time. Um, and like everything is new and still feels really weird. We don't have a rhythm at all. And I think we'll get there. I'll get there. I just need to be patient, which I hate. I just, like, want everything to be in a routine right away. But that's not going to happen. I wonder if there's, like, some little things you can do just to kind of, like, feel more secure and, like, more grounded there. Like, when I move, like, there's certain things that I like to see that I'm like, okay, this is my bedroom because, like, my journal is here. Or, like, this picture from our wedding is here. Or, like, you know, there's, like, certain things you put in the place and you, like, feel okay. So, like, I wonder if, like bringing like a picture of like your family into like your art space or like a candle that you used to light in Maryland like just like something little where it's like it's okay this is like my little anchor of like this is my art space and it's moved but still my art space yeah I that's a really good idea I need to think about how to do that because I used to have it like in my bedroom 
Um, my art space was in my bedroom. And I don't really want to move my, like, yeah. don't move my your bed. bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Sam just comes into the bedroom being like, where's our bed? It's like, that's in the art studio. <laughs> it's for um, art, Sam. It's, art. it's for art now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I need to figure that out, but it'll be okay. Um, what about you, Becca? How was your week? Um, I had a rough week in general, um, but I wrote some last night. So I did one character profile with the questions that Christina sent me. And then like every time I do those, I get like more ideas because I've kind of like had like the beginning and like a vague idea for the middle. So like doing that made me think like, well, why would she be this way? I was like, oh, because of this and because of that. And so after I did, so I did one more our profile and then I did like a little family tree thing and then I I think I'm gonna have three different storylines going on and I wrote out a storyline that's great yeah Yeah. that's really good good job look at you you get star creative stop oh yeah you are the winner no no soggy bottoms (laughs) over here (laughs) I've been watching Let's a lot start. of the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> James calls it the Bake Away. He's like, Can we watch a the Bake Away? I'm like, yes. Cute. <laughs> so He's like, I want to go oh. there. I'm like, yes, me too. I want to go to the Bake Away. Uh, what about you, Christina? How was your work creative? Um, it was okay. It was like kind of tough for me. I think I just, yeah. I, I think, think with election season, it's just really hard because everyone's in stress. Yeah, because yeah, we were great. all staying up really late to be like, surely we will have a decision. No. Right. Nevada. No. <laughs> Love yeah. that for us. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It was okay. I I guess, like, two positive things. One was I have been, like, kind of struggling with how to get, like, my draft ready and, like, plot and structure and I picked up this book that I had got maybe a year ago when we first moved here about and I actually told Becca about it yeah I want to read it yeah it's called backwards and forwards and it's about it says it's about reading plays but it's really about just like interpreting and and also you could use it for writing and it deals with like structure and stuff and just like I got halfway and it's a really small book but I already had some ideas or just like some practical ways to kind of go about the things I'm working on. So that was good. Um, and then I can't remember what the other thing was. Um, oh, well, this isn't really like positive, but like I had told you that I emailed that lady like in the black country and she got back to me and gave me some resources, but she was also kind of, did I tell you this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to reach out to her is what you said. Yeah. Okay. Well, she emailed me back and was like, kind of, she was helpful. But she was also kind of like, I don't know why you want to write about the black country when you've never lived here. And it was just like, uh. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I think it was good because I think I know what to say to her and like, I know why I want to write about it. And like, it also made me think about why. And so I guess that was a good thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, that would make me anxious. <laughs> Wait, so you, you said you emailed her and she wrote back. Did you guys talk yet or not yet? Just, like, through email. I still need to respond to her. But she, she like, gave me some things to look into for, like, research. And then she was kind of, like, when you've, when you've thought about why you want to 
um, write about the black country, like, let me know and we can like keep talking or something. So she was, she wasn't like, I don't think she was trying to, Deborah knows her and she was like, oh, don't like, she's just kind of like, I think people are kind of protective of it and like, they don't want Mm. like outsiders like coming in and like messing up their dialect and like. I don't know. That's the impression. It sounds like like misrepresenting it or something. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like if you like are like really like clear, like I am not just projecting all my ideas about what this is on this, or like turning it into something else. Like, like I'm trying to like like honor this, you know? Right, and like I'm. I don't want to. I have no desire to show it in like a way that's not accurate. That's why. Right researching that's why i'm doing research yeah that's why i'm telling you yeah but it was an all right week hoping for a better one this week yeah this is so funny to me because like when we were recording uh our first season every time you guys had like a bad week i'd be like my week was amazing and then like every time you guys had a good week i was like this is a bad week for me (laughs) so now it's back (laughs) oh good good for you yeah i know (laughs) me I'm like wow this is, you guys were like it was a hard week and I was like why was it a hard week and then it was like the election and I'm like how did I even forget about that <laughs> what is wrong with me but like I don't know I like I'm married to a news junkie so like the news is on almost all the time and Uncle it's like Joe, get the show. stop listening to the news <laughs> it, well yeah it's funny because like DJ and I were like definitely talking and debating about it low-key fighting about it <laughs> but, but it was a great week that's <laughs> but good. like no it was crazy because i read the book for once like before like days before the podcast and then it made me like think so much Anna about like the book she just is kind of like last minute sometimes yeah i'm very <laughs> yes. last if you know me as a person i do everything kind of last minute which is i'm working on it but like um <laughs> I so I was like reading it and and like mostly I'm last one too because I have a baby that is teething and yeah. she does things she runs the show here mostly <laughs> so um I she was having such a bad week and she like finally took a nap and I was like oh my god thank god I'm gonna do this thing and because DJ was like no watch this crazy YouTube video that my sister told him to watch about these two people like fighting and like their conflict resolution. It like he wanted me to watch this thing, and I was like, I this is my time. Like this is very <laughs> precious time for me. Like you don't understand. Like if I watch that, like I will lose my mind because then my time is wasted because he's gonna wake up. So like I tr- I gave him like fifteen minutes of my time to like try to get into it, and I was like, I cannot do this. The people are crazy, and like it's just drama. And like as much as you're like, look at this complicated solution. Like I just I can't get there. So like I left, read the book, and then I was like inspired to write. And then I wrote an outline for the book that I've been talking Woo! about and like setting aside. And it was Good really job, exciting. Anna. It was Starbaker. Really so I, I tried like, I like fleshed out like, okay, this chapter is going to be this, this chapter is going to be this. And then I like wrote underneath like what the stories were I wanted to tell in those chapters. And then I tried to write the first chapter, which obviously like it's going to need work, but I was like really proud of myself. Oh my like, gosh. That's, That's amazing. So awesome. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> Two stars of the show. Two stars. No, it definitely goes to Anna. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's like really small. Like you actually have like way more, like you produced so much more this week. Um, but I also did a little bit of painting with Noelle because accountability yeah. guys. Oh yeah. I saw that. That's so great. 
Yeah. So I think like that was a big step for me as I was like, I kind of, sometimes my studio time can be flimsy, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I'll just work here. But then like, if something comes up, it'll go away. But like, Anna and I just called each other on the phone and we painted while we talked. And that was really helpful for me. So I think I'm going to like, we're going to try and do that every week. Just like paint at the same time and like FaceTime. Wish I could do that with writing. <laughs> I'll call you and be like, hey, it'll be, how's that plot line going? How's the black line distracting. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure yeah, it out back My up. aunt is a um, a professional photographer, and she always talks about how she listens to books on Audible while she is editing her photos. Mm. Like, oh, that's so cool. I wish I could listen to books while I write a book. Right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It doesn't work. Just listen to that weird it's song where he says the same thing over and over. <laughs> that sounds like torture. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Creatives. We hope you enjoyed the show. Our theme music is by Patrick Nichols. Derek McCauley and Patrick Nichols are our producers. Anna Wayne is our social media creative. Christina Nichols is our special event and guest creative. Rebecca McCauley is our writing content creative. And Noelle McManus is our creative director. To learn more about our creative journey, check out our Instagram at coffee underscore and underscore creatives or our website at www.coffeeandcreativesproject.com. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Our quote this week comes from T.S. Eliot. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time.